again. We all expect the Boston Bruins to march to the Stanley Cup. And with that, let's bring in our TSN hockey insider. Just, just one of the best dudes to talk to around this time of year. Trade deadline looming, and we always have our Friday lunch dates with Chris Johnson. How's it going, CJ? I'm doing well. Apologies if I'm, uh, if I'm a little distracted because my phone's going crazy right now. Yeah, I bet it What's is What's going on, CJ? Fill us in. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say anything because nothing's confirmed. It sounds like something might be happening with uh, Kane, but we'll we'll keep plugging away here. Ooh, Ooh okay. All right, so... sounds good. So s- stay tuned. Something's happening there potentially. Um, well, let's let's start with the the trade we saw last night because we were just talking about it. The Bruins got better adding Orlov and Hathaway. The deal seemed to come together rather quickly, though, because you had reported on Insider Trading that Orlov was was hitting the market, it seemed like, and then by Thursday afternoon he was sitting for trade-related reasons, and then, poof, actually dealt before the game was played. Strange concept of late. Um, What do you know about how that uh, deal went down and how much scarier this makes the Bruins? Well, pretty decisive piece of action um, from the, the Washington Capitals. I mean, they had discussion with Dmitry Orlov's agent into this week um, about a contract extension. And, and obviously they got to a point where they just felt there wasn't going to be a deal there to be made that would work for either side. And, you know, all of a sudden the Capitals become sellers. It's the first time we've seen this in almost, you know, what, 15, 16 years that that, that team hasn't been buying at the deadline. And, you know, I, I believe other GMs started to learn over the weekend that, that Orlov was possible for them. You know, obviously Boston had had a deal at least somewhat on the line uh, for Gavrikov with Columbus. I'm, I'm not saying it was done-done, but there had been discussions there, and there was a thought there was a fit. And then they pivoted towards Orlov and, and got Garner Hathaway as well. And, I mean, look, the, the Bruins aren't a team that needed a whole lot. Um, but, but when you add a defenseman that's playing 23 minutes a night in Washington, as Orlov was, and, and you know, has been a top-bearing guy in his career, I'm not sure exactly how he'll slot in on a pretty deep Bruins blue line. I mean, they... They get more formidable, and, and, you know, it's an all-in season for them. We've seen the Rangers already trade away a first-round pick to get Tarasenko. Obviously, the Leafs did what they did in, in the O'Reilly-Achari deals. I, I still think we'll see something from Tampa. New Jersey and Carolina are active. I mean, the Eastern Conference is extremely competitive uh, on the trade front, but then obviously in the standings. And, and, you know, only one of these teams can be left standing once we get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and it's going to be a death march through the East to get there with our TSN Hockey Insider Chris Johnston right now. And I was reading through Aaron Portsline's piece in The Athletic today about Gavrikov and, and what this Orlov deal could mean for Orlov's asking price and, and the market around him. It, it sounded like there was kind of a deal in place or or at least the Blue Jackets thought there was a deal in place with, with Boston until this Orlov deal came down last night. What, what do you make of that situation? Well, this is why we say nothing's done until it's done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, extensive amount of conversations going on right now uh, across the league between general managers. You know, But until you have that trade call and, and everything's confirmed, it's not done. Uh, certainly the Bruins don't, don't think they had a deal done on Gavrikov, but, but I think there was an understanding that there was mutual interest there. You know, enough that, that Columbus started scratching Gavrikov for the trade-related reasons five games ago. And so now now they're in an interesting spot. You know, I, there, there's certainly still interest in Gavrikov, but I know teams like Edmonton, you know, even Toronto, you know, who at least inquired on the player, just didn't like the price. You know, it looked like it was going to take a first and third-round pick to get him. And I don't know where that stands right now. I mean, now, now that uh, 
the, the Bruins are out of the mix, you know, maybe it opens the door for the Leafs or Oilers, or maybe the LA Kings to get back involved uh, more heavily in Gavrikov talks, and maybe you're getting them at a discount. I mean, all along, I've been talking to people that thought this was going to turn into a buyer's market. I don't think it's been that with the big trades we've seen so far. It's been pretty, you know, pretty big prices paid. I think they're fair prices, but, you know, no one's getting a discount on all these rentals with the first rounders plus, plus, plus going out the door. Uh, but maybe as we get closer here in the next week to the actual deadline itself, um, you know, we'll see some of the prices come down. And I think Gavrikov is a candidate for sure to be in that situation. Uh, CJ, what are you hearing around the league on what the Leafs are uh, still looking to do, what they're linked to? Are they still looking for another Ford? Are they looking for uh, a top defenseman? What's the latest with Toronto? I think it's a focus on D. I mean, it's not to say they won't add a forward, but, you know, this is this is a pretty robust, market for defensemen. I mean, even the fact we've seen an Orlov traded, you know, Washington also has Eric Gustafson and Nick Jensen on D that I think are, are, you know, both could be had if you were interested. You know, Nashville, you know, appears to be trending towards seller. They've got Matthias Ekholm and, and Ryan McDonough, you know, plus all the names that have been out there for months, whether it's Gavrikov, Jake McCabe, Luke Shen, you know, right on down the list, Joel Edmondson in Montreal. And so, I think the Leafs are keeping an open mind. They're surveying the entire market and seeing what they can get done. Uh, you know, I think there's interest in a player like Shen, for example, who's been scratched now in Vancouver for the trade-related reasons. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean that they're only focused there. I think that that, that would be a move maybe if they, they strike out elsewhere or if some of the, the, the bigger names, uh, you know, come off the board, then, then maybe they look at that. Um, but I, I think that Toronto's in a nice spot and that it can, can just sort of sit back and, see what develops and and you know the Leafs only have so much draft capital they only have so much cap space but you know I, I think if we're we're talking you know next Friday after 3 p.m. anyways and the Leafs haven't had another defenseman I'll be surprised yeah I'm curious about the the whole cap space situation like how much money do the Leafs have to make another sizable deal CJ I, I did see a lot of people on Twitter assume they'd have a lot of money after the Jake Muzzin announcement but I know that's that's not the case he'd been on LTIR and they kind of used much of that through the season and then with the O'Reilly deal. But how much money would they have to make another sizable deal? Well, it depends. I mean, if it's a player coming off the roster, you know, there could be a little bit more. You know, I think that they're positioned to have, what, maybe $1.8 million in, in LTI room, depending what they do with their players. You know, they've just passed Joey Anderson through waivers. They could send him now to the minors to create a little space. Wayne Simmons has been sent down. You know, but potentially they, they, they might put Jordy Ben on waivers and, and, you know, have the ability to, to get his contract out. So there's some maneuverability there um, that, that impacts that number. But then, of course, you know, if, if they're getting a defenseman, maybe, you know, they're, they're trading out a Justin Hall or one of the forwards on an expiring deal. Um, you know, I, I don't think they necessarily want to do that, but, you know, those options are there depending on what kind of player they're in on. And so I, I would put it this way. I, I think if there's someone they want bad enough, they can pretty much make room for, for any one individual player. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're trading for Eric Carlson. Don't, don't, mm. don't twist that too much. But, <laughs> anyone on, but, but anyone on an expiring contract, you know, that they might be interested in. I think from a cap perspective, there's ways to make it work. We've already seen them, you know, pass Ryan O'Reilly's contract through Minnesota as a third party to get the hit down. You know, Montreal, the team that I know is willing to do that. There's, there's some others out there. So, you know, with, with how skilled Brandon Pridham is at managing the cap and, and just, I think, Really, the way the Leafs have done business going back several seasons, like they always can shoehorn someone in, um, and and so I, I don't know that cap space will be the one thing that you know that they can't make three moves. I don't think, unless there's definitely money going out. But 
I think they could make any one addition, you know, pretty comfortably. And, and then it just is a matter of, you know, what's the cap hit coming in in terms of dictating what they have to do to make that work. Uh, yeah, Kyle Dubas and Brandon Pridham, true gurus at boogieing around the cap. So interested to see what they have up their sleeves over the next week from today when the trade deadline hits. Uh, with our TSN Hockey Insider, Chris Johnston, right now, and before yesterday, the trade of the week, CJ, was Zaitsev for future considerations. Uh, it kind of signals that there's another move <laughs> to come from the Ottawa Senators. Anything happening around there on your radar? Well, you know, they, they've been pretty aggressively looking to get a defenseman even before the Zaitsev deal. Um, you know, I think they'd like to add another center as well. And, and, you know, the Senators, as much as people might chuckle, you know, haven't, haven't counted themselves out of the playoff race yet. And so, you know, I don't have the specific target because I think that they've really spread, a, you know, kind of a wide berth here. Every defenseman's been linked to Ottawa, it seems. Well, yeah. because I think to some degree they're having those conversations that, you know, yeah. They needed a D all year like that. I think this was a conversation we probably would have had in training camp, and and yep. the results have sort of borne it out. It's it's you know they've got some nice young players coming along. You know Sanderson uh, playing in their lineup and, and that, but but they they could use a little bit more on the back end. And so I I think that that Pierre Dorian is is pretty aggressively pushing that market. And by getting rid of Zaitsev's deal, I think he's just freed himself up to. You know, take on a, a contract not just for this season, but one that, that extends into future seasons. And so we'll, we'll see what he can come up with. But, you know, you, you can find one common thread through all these moves, right? I mean, all the big players, that's being Bo Horvat, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, Dmitry Orlov, all those players had salary retained in their deals. A couple of them had third-party teams. Then you've seen other trades like, you know, the Weber contract going from Vegas to Arizona or Zaitsev going from Ottawa to Chicago. I mean, those are all about clearing cap space. I mean, that that's... That's the name of the game right now is, is every team that's looking to add is, is kind of got to subtract something, and, and we've seen a number of teams do it, and I think it sets up for a busy next seven days into the deadline. Uh, keep it on the tour around Canada, I suppose. One of those teams that has said they're dollar in, dollar out, the Edmonton Oilers. There's a lot of chatter last couple of weeks about maybe uh, them being interested in Eric Carlson. It seemed to have quieted down a little this week, but what do you think the Oilers are up to in the next seven days? Well, Certainly, they're trying to do something big. You know, I think that they've looked at Carlson. They've kept tabs on Kane in case Patrick Kane, you know, may be willing to waive a no move for them. You know, no indication on that one way or another just yet. Um, you know, they, they're also in the market for a defenseman, uh, so they've been linked to a lot of the familiar characters. I, I think that Edmonton is of the mind, and, and they should be as an organization, when you have the two players at the top end of their roster, that they've got to do absolutely anything they can to give those players the best chance to win a Stanley Cup. And, and you know, I could see them, when all is said and done, adding a forward and a defenseman. You know, it's going to take the roster juggling you're, you're mentioning um, because, you know, whether it's Jesse Pugliarvi, Warren Fogle, you know, some of the guys that make, you know, decent decent buck at the bottom end of the, the lineup, I think that there, there are certainly candidates to be moved to create that room. And, and so we'll see where the Oilers end up. I mean, you're right. The Carlson stuff has definitely gone quiet, but it's not 100% dead. I mean, I think that there's still – that there's still a Hail Mary that can happen in the next week where that, that happens. Now, I'm not saying it's likely, but the Oilers have definitely kept tabs on that situation. And, and really what stopped it from advancing at all is that, you know, San Jose is asking a pretty big price, you know, in terms of assets to get Carlson. They see him as a positive value asset, even with his contract. And, and they haven't been willing to retain more than 20 or maybe 25% in talks. Now, in the next week, if that changes, 
maybe it's it's game on again. And so it, it could be a dramatic week in Edmonton um, because, you know, I, I don't think they're focused on one thing or one particular player, but they're, they, they're looking to make a splash if they can. And, and to me, there's a fit there still with Carlson. I know, I know there's all these challenges, but there's also an opportunity for both the Sharks to get rid of, you know, that contract and, and for Edmonton to really send a charge to their team. Yeah, would be pretty spectacular to see adding Carlson to that roster. Uh, let's just put a bow on this conversation by talking about all the Canadian teams, shall we? Which, which we talked about um, the rest of them. So Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, Winnipeg. Which one of those teams do you expect to be the most active at the deadline, either as buyers or sellers? Probably Winnipeg. Uh, tough one. I mean, Vancouver's, you know, as we know, is actively trying to sell. You know, they've got Brock Besser's yeah. name out there pretty aggressive. I, I think that they're also in a position now using their LTI space that they can they can maybe take on a bad contract or be a third-party broker. I think they're trying to get involved in, in creating more assets um, for themselves. So, you know, I think they'll be reasonably active. Montreal, the problem is, you know, the, the players that they had to sell either are having tough years. Uh, you know, guys like Jonathan Drouin, even Evgeny Dadnov, you know, Sean Monaghan has been injured since December. Joel Edmondson got injured. So, you know, a lot of the pieces they might have been, been you know, taking the market and, and still have on the market just don't have a lot of value right now. And so it might be a little quieter deadline than Ken Hughes had originally intended for, for the Canadians. I, I think the Jets, to me, are the biggest question mark. Uh, they, they have legit cap space. I mean, that's a team that, that is playoff bound, that has some aspirations for this year and also – can just add players to the roster without subtracting anything. And so I think that they're kind of a, a dark horse, if, if you will, to make some moves. I mean, and even, you know, we reported this week that they're in on Timo Meyer. Um, you know, it's not to say they're going to make a huge splash, but I think that they're, they're actually capable of it. And I think there's a lot of reason. You know, summer 2024 looms pretty large in Winnipeg. They, they have, you know, Mark Shifley is a potential UFA. Connor Hellebuck is a potential UFA. Pierre-Luc Dubois' contract, uh, he'll, he'll be a UFA status by then. You know, there's no guarantee the team that they have that's had such a good year this year will be able to be kept intact, um, you know, beyond another year's time. And so, you know, there's there's a lot riding on on the season in Winnipeg, and I'm curious to see what Kevin Shoveldayoff does here in the next week. Yeah, he's got a lot of space, so like there's there's definitely something that he could do, which is something that you know a lot of teams wish they had was cap space. Uh, so I mean, I know we brought you in, and, and you said there was maybe something on Kane, but. Uh, not that I'm going to ask you, I guess, to, to report what's going on, but last night we saw the Rangers did some roster management, which suggests that maybe they're getting ready to, to make a move. Like, my gut feeling is that he's going to be a Ranger by 3 p.m. next Friday. Like, what does your gut tell you? And, and are any other teams in the mix here for Patrick Kane? Well, I'll put it this way. I don't think it's as done as the notion is out there. You know, I, I don't know that he's fully made up his mind to, to waive his no-movement clause and to go through with it. I think if he does do that, if he decides he's willing to play somewhere else this season, the Rangers is, is the natural place for him to land, and, and there is a fit there. There's still a hole on, on the right side in, in New York's top six. You know, it, it does create complications. I mean, you might call them good problems to have, but there's, there's not necessarily a great you know fit for him, say, on the, the power play one with the Rangers. Obviously, if you get Patrick Kane, you're playing him there, but you know who are you taking off? That spot, I think Edmonton has a similar kind of conundrum. Um, but it's I'll a good problem to have, not, though, CJ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, sometimes, like the Oilers' power play, for example, is so good yeah. uh, that, 
you know, do you really want to disrupt that? No, keep in mind, I think if Patrick Kane indicated he wanted to go to Edmonton, they'd find a way to get it done. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I guess my point is there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to these decisions. Um, and, you know, I could say one thing I can tell you that w- was part of my, my texting there is that Kane, as of, as of this moment, has not waived his no movement clause. I thought that I'd been given a tip that, that perhaps he had done that and, and something was in, in the works in terms of a trade. But I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. As weird as it sounds, I know he's played great and, and showing real signs of something this week, but I think he's having a hard time with this. I think, I think in a perfect world, in Patrick Kane's mind, he'd like to be staying in Chicago and signing an extension and moving forward with the organization. You know, at this point, I don't know that that's available to him. And so he's got to decide if he's willing to play somewhere else. And I think we'll know probably one way or the other within the next 24 hours. That, that's, that's a sense I have. It's either going to happen or it's not, if you know what I mean. I, I don't think this is going to drag on another week where we're, we're unsure what the status of everything is. I, I think that we're, we're going to find out that, that he's moving on or that he's going to stay in Chicago the rest of the year. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled on Twitter, and I'm sure you'll be staying close to your phone. One more week, CJ. One more week, and then you can have a couple of days off to rest because I'm sure it's been a very busy couple for you. So we'll chat again next week for the final time ahead of the deadline. Uh, but appreciate the chat as always, and have a good weekend, pal. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm enjoying it, and uh, I think we're gonna have some fireworks here the next week. I don't. I don't know if. But the day itself, we might be out of ammo by then, but uh, these next seven days leading up to the deadline should be pretty fun. I know. When I saw yesterday the Orlov deal come through, I'm like, oh, man, Duffy, every time a trade comes through, he's probably sitting there banging his head on a wall just saying, can't you just wait? Just wait, people. I can only imagine. Uh, but, well, uh, Duffy's got us coming in today to do a spoof video, so he's already he's already getting more content in case there's <laughs> not the actual trades coming. So was that spoof video like was the was that already scheduled or was that what he saw the trade yesterday? He's like, okay, we got to get something because everything's it, coming it, down now. <laughs> it was already scheduled. I mean, I don't know how much I can say because I'm still the new guy here, but uh, it was already scheduled. It's pretty funny. We'll see how our acting <laughs> skills are, but we'll have something to show. Is the point whether there's there's a whole bunch of trades or not. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Sometimes, honestly, those little skits are, are so more good. entertaining than the If you ever need a YouTube itself. rabbit hole to go down, oh. like look up Luongo TSN panel, <laughs> the, the rookie. Like there's so many good ones from back then. Yeah, they're the best. Absolute best. Uh, you're the best too, CJ. Uh, <laughs> stay by the phone. Lots of information going to be coming. I'll be refreshing my Twitter account uh, and over the next 24 to, uh, to one week, I suppose. So we'll chat next week, buddy. Awesome. Have a great weekend. You as well.